Welcome to the Renew Podcast. This episode is the first message from our Renew Summer Nights of 2017. We invited Brent Hisayasu, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel Ventura, who chose to teach on the command to forgive for our theme of the one another's. If you want to follow along, Pastor Brent teaches here from Colossians 3, 12 through 15, where Paul exhorts us to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven us. Well, thank you so much. It's a huge privilege to be here. Anytime Jordan asks me to preach and it's not about sexual purity, that's a go. Uh, And uh, really excited about that. But uh, let me just take a moment before we begin to tell you how privileged you are uh, to be under the ministry and the teaching uh, of the pastors here at Grace Brethren. They are on a short list uh, of men that I respect and I depend upon. And I have uh, many times called your pastors uh, to get me out of a jam and they've been faithful and gracious to do that. So um, when Jordan asked me to preach at Renew 2017 uh, and told me that the the topic and the theme for the whole series was the one and others, I thought, how perfect, right? Uh, Let's take a break during the summer and let's teach on uh, this, life in the body, because as you go through the New Testament, you're very, it's very clear, God is dead serious about what this looks like. And what you and I do here as we eat together, as we live together, as we believe the gospel together has a a huge impact on the world around us and on ourselves. And so the one and others are a theme carried all throughout the New Testament and because life here is important. So um, I picked uh, forgive one another mostly because in my recent just ministry life, In the last few years, uh, God has placed me through uh, the the trials and difficulties and where I've had to learn how to forgive. Those of you who have maybe a, a few more miles on you, you've learned that you either learn how to forgive or or you die a lonely, fearful person. And forgiveness is so essential for our life in Christ, especially here within the body of believers. You're going to need to learn how to forgive. And uh, the only other option is storing up bitterness and resentment. And uh, frankly, as you take your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Colossians chapter 3. You've got two choices in the body of Christ. You learn how to forgive or you build up and store up bitterness and resentment. And uh, it looks something like this. I got a balloon here. Now this balloon isn't in any danger right now, but um, once you start filling it up, it gets a little bit more sensitive, right? So it goes something like this. I can't believe you did that to me. I would never do that to you, right? And you, you have to learn. You, you can't keep doing this. This hurts, and, and I can't take it anymore, right? And, and you keep filling this thing up, and all of a sudden you're at the place where anything is dangerous to you. And you as a believer, you've got two choices at this point. You're either going to explode at the slightest thing, or you're going to hide your entire life, get away from relationships, get away from people, don't take part in the life of the body because uh, you haven't learned to, let's get that, right? You haven't learned how to forgive. 
And that's how essential forgiveness is for you. Maybe, maybe you feel like this. Uh, maybe you feel like you're constantly inflating, deflating, exploding, uh, and hiding. And uh, what you need to learn is how uh, to forgive. Colossians chapter 3, look at um, what Paul says in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and and here it is, if one has a complaint or an allegation against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Now, I've learned uh, through years of ministry and teaching people to interact with God's Word that, uh, that you need to know uh, that when you're reading God's Word, the reason that you spend 20 minutes reading God's Word and you look up and you're like, I have no idea what I just read, is because you're not interacting with the text. So when you're reading God's Word, you have to ask questions of the text. And uh, as you're reading this text and you read, uh, you must forgive as the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also forgive. What question should you ask? You should ask, well, how has the Lord forgiven me? If I'm going to forgive as the Lord has forgiven me, I need to know how the Lord has forgiven me. Here's a great thing. Paul has answered that already in this text. Paul has answered that already. He's described the forgiveness that you and I have received as believers that we are to replicate and model in life in the body of Jesus Christ because we all know that life in the body, it's great as it should be and as much better as it is than a life out there, it's still, we're still all works in progress and, uh, and we still have a lot of rough corners that need to be uh, chiseled down and sanctified and become more like Jesus and, and the Lord uses us as we lean into one another to see those things, to reveal those things, and to sanctify us all. So uh, forgiveness is needed in the body of Christ, uh, perhaps more than anywhere else. And Paul describes the kind of forgiveness that we are to have with one another in the text previously. So look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, describes for us the forgiveness that we have received, that we are to model uh, to others Colossians 2, look at verse 13 and 14. Paul says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, this text teaches us how the Lord forgives us, and uh, some observations, some things we need to learn about the forgiveness that you and I have received from Jesus that will propel us and motivate us to forgive people who sinned against us 30 years ago, who have been continuing to sin against us in the same way over years and years and years, so that you and I can learn to live with one another in peace and compassion and and love. Uh, Some things we need to learn about forgiveness number one, if you're taking notes, my sin causes debt. Jot that down. Jot that down. My sin causes debt. That's what Peter, that's what Paul is talking about here in the text, that there is a record of debt that stands against you. A record of debt that stands against you. Now, this should be intuitive to every single one of us, because when somebody wrongs us, when they stab us in the back, when they hurt us, when it's a spouse or someone at church or a brother in Christ from, from a shepherding group, you, you feel this. 
There's a debt that's owned. There's something that has to be repaid, and that's that feeling in your gut, that kind of that anger, that almost like acid reflux that comes up. How many of you guys experienced that, right? How many of you experienced? Raise your hand. Come on. You know, am I the only one here? Okay, right. You've all experienced that. Someone sinned against me, and they need to make it right. They need to pay. There's an inequity. There's a, a debt that is incurred every time uh, you and I sin against the Lord. Now, um, there's a little bit more to this, and the Old Testament describes this for us. Leviticus chapter 5 uh, talks about how um, there's many types of debt. Leviticus 5 talks about how uh, if anyone sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish of the flock. And so there's like this, this compensation debt that, uh, you know, you owe a debt to justice. You owe a debt to the holiness of God. There is a punishment that must be laid out, and, and that debt of God's holiness, that debt to society, that debt to morality, has to be repaid. And, uh, and praise the Lord that there's a substitute available for that. In the Old Testament law, it's a ram without blemish, uh, but for us, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And obviously for them, it was that ram was just foreshadowing of the greater sacrifice of the Lord. But, but then there's more, okay? Leviticus 5 talks about verse 16, he shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy things, and he shall add a fifth to it and give it to the priest. So there's this, uh, not only this debt to justice, debt to holiness, the holiness of God, but there's also a debt of restoration, right? You got to make it right. If you spoke against uh, someone else and, and you, uh, you know, were, were gossiping behind their back, then you've got to go back and, and set that right. You've got to go talk to every single person that you spoke to uh, about this other person and they, that you wronged, and you've got to go and tell them the truth, and you've got to go and ask their forgiveness, and you've got to go set the record straight. There's a, a restorative debt that, inc that is incurred every time uh, that we as believers sin. Now, according to Colossians, this debt has been, uh, there's a certificate of debt is what Paul calls it in the ESV. There's a record of debt um, that is in the ESV. The certificate is the NASB, and it stands against us with its legal demands. And this is, it's something like this. In the Roman culture, uh, you would have two things. You, uh, if you were being accused of uh, an allegation or a crime against the state, you'd have this certificate of debt. Or if you had wronged somebody and you literally owed them restitution because what you sold them didn't work or, or what you uh, used of theirs was broken, uh, and so you would uh, write out a, a certificate and it would look something like this, okay? Brent's certificate, Brent's trespasses. Here it is, long list. And, and this, is the, this is what my sin requires. There is a list, a spiritual list that God knows of or knew of uh, that is a list of my trespasses against the law. And, and it's out there for every single one of us. Our lists, I would imagine, are not that different. Your list, my list, the debt that you and I incurred. I mean, when we're talking like millions and billions of dollars, right? Who cares about the few dollars and cents that separate us? 
because we all who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and are growing in the Lord are seeing the significance of this list, and this list is growing more and more important uh, every day and more significant in our minds. He is holy, we are sinful, we're growing in our knowledge of that. My sin causes debt like this, and there's a record of it. You can't just sweep this under the carpet. You can't just uh, ignore it as though it goes away. It's real, it's substantial, and it requires payment. Now, the text goes on. The good news is uh, 13, verse 13. He's forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, I, lo- I love this word, um, cancel, to put this away for a second. It's a little long, um, like yours is any shorter, right? I-, I love this word, cancel. It means uh, to smooth over with plaster. And, and if that doesn't make any sense to you, uh, I've got a little picture up here. Uh, let me show this to you. Um, can we throw that? There, that. There you go. Okay. Th- this is a... Uh, Think of this as a New Testament time iPad, okay? And, and what it is is clay or wax that is spread ap- across boards, and uh, since paper was so difficult to make and uh, so expensive, uh, uh, businessmen would use something like this to keep records and tallies, and, uh, and that's how they would, you know, keep their invoices and tally what people owed them and what was sold and those kind of things. And, and just like an Etch-a-Sketch, right? Etch-a-Sketch, yeah, we've all done that, right? Shake it upside down and... S- set the whole thing right, um, you would just clear this thing with that stick or that stylus. You would just spread wax over it, and it'd be blank. And that's the Greek word that Paul describes. uh, Our debt has been wiped clean, zeroed out, shaken upside down, if that works for you, by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, point... uh, Point number two on your text, point number, uh, point number three, sorry, is God canceled the debt. God canceled the debt. And he canceled the debt when, uh, by forgiving us entirely and wiping out the record. And this is the key to life and freedom. To forgive, to be forgiven by God is to have that debt canceled. And when God forgives, he forgives entirely. Now, this is key, okay? If we're going to forgive like God forgive, has forgiven us, we have to take note how he's forgiven us. So when you and I uh, have come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we were made alive like Paul describes in the text... Our eyes were opened to see our sin and our need for a Savior. We cried out to him in that first confession, that first repentance. We believed in the Lord Jesus, and at that point, we were justified. At that moment, it is just as though we'd never sinned, wiped clean entirely. Nothing to pay. uh, Nothing to pay forward. Nothing to pay back. There was no way in which uh, you and I could deserve this forgiveness. Okay? But God has wiped it out entirely. 
And for some of you, this might be something that's hard to grasp because you've been raised in families or raised in a culture that believes that you've got to pay it back and you've got to earn it, right? And you might be sitting here tonight thinking, wow, look, there's this whole body of believers and uh, gosh, I'm the most scumbag one of all of them and and I don't deserve to be forgiven like these people do. And, And let me just assure you, if you were a stranger and you walked in on this and you don't really get what this church thing is, uh, that is not true, okay? Uh, Sitting here amongst our brothers and sisters are are people who have done the worst sin you could ever imagine, and they've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. They are no different from you. In our congregation, uh, there are women who uh, are learning to believe the gospel and believe that they're forgiven even though they committed an abortion when they were young. And that's like up there, right? That's murder. But the great truth of the gospel and the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ is is that there are many uh, men and women who have gone before us who have been forgiven of much the same because the blood of Jesus is just that powerful. In fact, some of them are our favorite characters from the Old and New Testaments, right? Right? Our favorite people, the people that we're like, oh, we got to look up to, and Abraham, if I could just have faith like Abraham, or if I could just uh, be, a, be a man after God's own heart like David, these people have committed the worst of the worst, and because of the greatness of Jesus that they believe in, have been set free from the penalty of their sin, and free from imprisonment to it, and have been forever changed. That's the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Do we do that here? Amen? Amen, right? And so you and I look at David, David, right? The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. Can you think of the significance of that since that title is given to him after he goes and sitting on a rooftop when he should be at war and he's just overlooking the town that he is in charge of over all the vassals to his, you know, who are sitting under his power and he decides that this one who's bathing I don't understand how that works in architecture, but he's just staring and lusting and, right? And, and well, I'm going to commit adultery, probably rape too. And then, we, right, we all know the story. What, what happens after he, that, what, that woman's husband has to be removed, so he basically murders him. And the child pays for it. And then, so significant is the blood of Jesus and David's faith in the sacrifice, complete sacrifice of Christ on the cross. So uh, amazing was the substitution and the payment that Christ suffered on our behalf as he paid our debt that it could be said that David was a man after God's own heart, right? Abraham, man in the halls of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 goes and gets scared of local leaders, and and so basically goes up to his wife, who is evidently too beautiful, right? And he says, here, here, I've got an idea, honey, okay? Uh, This guy, if he sees you, he's gonna want you. So let's just say that we're brother and sister, and he will take you in his harem and doom you to a life of some sort of sexual slavery, and then I'll leave and then that's it. Now, if you're Abraham's wife, you're probably like, okay, now where's the escape plan? And he's just like, no, that's it. And, and this is a guy we talk about as being one of God's faith. Why? Because he's been covered in the blood of Christ. 
The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, who we are reading at this very moment, God's inspired word from his pen, he held the coats and jackets as people murdered Jesus, as people murdered the followers of Jesus Christ. He went from city to city, and it says he dragged believers out of their homes, women and children, and persecuted them because he hated Jesus so much, and he hated the followers of Jesus so much, and God is so gracious and kind as to cover him with the blood of Jesus, and even though he was an accomplice to murder, this is the forgiveness that he receives. So you and I, as we um, receive this forgiveness, as we're cleansed in this way, it makes a change to us. We are entirely set free upon that first act of faith, upon that first belief, in that first confession, that first repentance and turning to Jesus. We're entirely forgiven, but here's the key, okay? We're also continuously forgiven. So when God forgives, he forgives entire, entirely back to front everything you ever would do, everything you ever will do, everything you ever could do, everything you ever have done, entirely set free from the penalty of that. But also, by God's grace, there's a, a continuing forgiveness that is a relational forgiveness. Uh, you're justified in that, initial ju- in that initial act of faith. That is a... a, a a court of law thing. You're set free according to the court of law and you're deemed innocent. No, not just innocent, but righteous. But, but there's also another aspect of the forgiveness that we receive where um, our relationship is continually and regularly restored uh, as believers in the Lord Jesus. And so if you haven't figured this out yet, um, as believers, we continue to confess. We continue to repent of sin that you and I have and are still struggling with as those who are yet to be fully restored and glorified uh, at his coming. But, and we, as we do that, it's not that we're earning our salvation over again. No, that's already been entirely paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. What that is, is a continual restorative justice, uh, a restorative forgiveness that brings the relationship back to where it should be and takes your heart and puts it where it should belong. And I believe that's what Paul is talking about here when he talks about the, the, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands with its legal demands. So on this list is not only the sin and trespasses, but also all of the demands of the law uh, on your life. And those things are nailed to the cross as well. And Christ in his perfect righteous life uh, has completely fulfilled that standard of perfection and obeyed the law in its entirety so that nothing has to get in the way between you and your relationship with God as it continues forward. You are made entirely righteous, and now you can continually confess and continually be forgiven and continually enjoy that restoration as part of God's children. Now, if you're a parent, you understand this, right? I've got four kids, uh, as Jordan was talking about, uh, twin six-year-olds who are just rambunctious and own the world, okay? I've got a four-year-old who, who feels things probably a, a little too strongly at times. I think he's, he's suffering from being like the ultimate middle child in between uh, twin brothers and a uh, just adorable daughter. He is like ultimate middle child. And, and so um, Micah is his name. When... When I need to discipline Micah uh, the way that we do as parents, um, and not because I'm angry, 
uh, but because he needs to learn that sin costs and is painful and, uh, and that he needs to learn to run to Christ. When, when I discipline him at home, I, I'm sure many of you parents have experienced this, the first thing he needs is a hug from dad, right? Have, have you guys experienced this? Like the, the first thing, you would think it'd be like, ah, no, I'm done with you, you just spanked me, you just, I'm done, like I'm so angry. No, but the first thing he needs is that embrace to know that everything's good with me and him, that that's over and done with, and that him and I are good. And, and of course, he doesn't know that there, there isn't anything that he could do as my child that would forever withhold forgiveness from. I, I, there's nothing he could do that could separate me from him as his father. He's my son. And I've chosen to endure in forgiveness with him, and the Lord feels the same way about you. There's this one time where um, I, I accidentally forgot to give Micah his hug after spanking him, and, and so for the next couple minutes, he just followed me around the house, just like, just like looking, for, looking up at me, and just all saw him, and I had no idea, and I'm just doing my, and I'm like, oh, I'm so, I felt so awful, right? And that's just, that's just ultimate parenting fail, right? And, uh, and he's sitting there thinking dad's walking away and dad's, that, that's not how it is with the Lord. There's nothing you could do as his child uh, that would make you lose that relationship with him, but there's that confession and forgiveness that, need, that is needed to continue to restore uh, the joy of this relationship that we have with the Lord, not our salvation. So, in summary... Colossians chapter 2 teaches us that we are fully, forever, and freely forgiven. And that's a joy to our hearts that lifts us up out of our, our debt, that, that rejoices uh, these sinners, the hearts of these sinners, and it lifts us, it frees us in such a way that we could never pay for it. We uh, could never pay it forward, or we could never uh, earn it. The Lord has forgiven us. And what Paul talks about as he uh, took this certificate of debt and it was uh, nailed to the cross. Just like that sign above Jesus when he was crucified, Jesus, King of the Jews, that was the accusation against him. Well, the accusations against us were nailed to the cross so that when Christ paid that penalty, when he, uh, because the wages of sin is what? Death. When he died, it paid our debt. It paid our debt in full. And, and this is gone. And we're, uh, we rejoice in that. We're thankful that we don't have this on us anymore. And, uh, and uh, right, that, this is gospel 101. You guys know this, right? And this, this rejoice, this is awesome. This is the best thing about believing and knowing the Lord. And, um, and forgiven, forgive as you've been forgiven. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Put on as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint or accusation against one another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Now, a few things to note about this passage. 
Number one, this is written to other believers. Uh, This is written about your forgiveness of other believers, excuse me. Uh, This isn't talking about you forgiving non-believers. That's a different text. This is strictly talking about forgiving one another in the family of God because if if we're all brothers and sisters in Christ who have been forgiven in the same way, by the same blood, by the same sacrifice, same Lord, same Savior, reading the same book, uh, dwelling in the same life of God, in the same body of, God, body of Christ, uh, then forgiveness needs to be had here in a different way than it is out there. So this is about forgiveness inside the family of God. But a, a few things you need to note uh, that I think there's a lot of confusion about what it means for us to forgive as humans. And there's actually a lot of debate about this theologically. But just for clarity, uh, a few things that forgiveness is not, because you will uh, encounter difficult situations to navigate on how do I forgive them, and can I forgive them, and and what does it mean to forgive, and all those kind of things. A few things forgiveness is not, okay? Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. I rejoice in the Old Testament passage that talks about how God forgets. He puts it behind him. But that doesn't mean that God has like this massive gap. And when he thinks of Brent, he saw he's like, well, what did Brent do from the ages of like 13 to 18? I just have no clue because I forgot, right? That, that's not God, okay? That's not how he works. When we speak of God forgetting, uh, what it means is, is that he's no longer dealing with us as though that was standing in the way. Okay? He doesn't actually forget the details of what we did. And so a lot of us, that put a burden on a lot of us as believers. We think, well, I can't forgive until I forget. And uh, let's be honest, it's hard to forget. And in fact, we forget the little things. But some of you have been sinned against in significant ways, even from early on, early childhood, in such ways as you will, you will never forget. And I would just love to relieve you of this burden. God's not calling you to forget. In fact, I, 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 would, I would measure, I would say that remembering those things that probably brought you to Christ, those ways in which those people sinned against you in significant and painful ways which you might never be the same is probably what brought you to the Lord Jesus and is something that the Lord is using even now for your good, so don't forget. And you're not broken, and you, it's not that you can't forgive until you forget, because you probably will never forget like that. that that's not what the uh, Bible is talking about when it's talking about forgetting. Forgiveness is not uh, forgetting, because frankly, that's almost impossible. Number two, uh, forgiveness is not easy. And that's why some of us don't want to forgive. Most of us don't want to forgive because they have to learn, right, that debt. They can't do this again. And I can't let them off easily because if I let them off too easily, they'll never learn. And uh, can I just assure you, forgiving is not easy. Uh, In fact, it was a very painful, very difficult earned for us by the exertion and power and strength of the Lord Jesus as he died on the cross suffering for the sins of all those who would be his own. And as he there suffered for us, taking in condensed moments, suffering the debt of the wrath of God, 
that should be on our heads, it was anything but easy. So when you forgive another brother or sister who's in Christ, you're not letting them off easy. You're depending upon the very painful, very difficult, and very hard salvation that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the very opposite of easy. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is not uh, diminishing sin. Forgiveness is not diminishing sin. Uh, Can I just assure you that... um, It is the exact opposite. It is the exact opposite. Forgiving sin and saying you are forgiven because the debt has been paid by Jesus is making as big of a deal out of their actions as it could. That's why in my family, uh, we don't say, oh, don't worry about it. We don't say, oh, I didn't even notice. We say, uh, it's not okay, but it is forgiven. Because it's not just a minor offense. It's not just a preference thing. Uh, This is an infraction against God. It was immoral and uh, took from me. It was wrong and it deserves the eternal wrath and hell. Uh, But by the blood of Jesus, it's forgiven. So forgiveness does not uh, forget. Forgiveness is not uh, easy. It's not diminishing. It's also not enabling. And for those of you wives, I know you guys struggle with this because uh, there's this inner urge and this feeling that if I forgive my husband, um, that's just going to mean he's going to do it more often. And can I just assure you, by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, when my wife forgives me through tears, through pain, that is the most sanctifying thing that she ever does for me. I mean, that weight just lies on me, and I've never been propelled to holiness more than when I watch my wife forgive me despite the fact of how much I hurt her. And it is not, it is not enabling me to sin. It is propelling me towards the cross of Jesus by the very act. It's not forgetting, it's not easy, it's not diminishing sin, it's not enabling to sin. It also does not mean forgiveness is not neglecting justice. You can forgive somebody and then pick up the phone and call the police department in the same breath. And you should. And you should. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that um, they're freed from all the consequences that the Lord has from them by the government that he put in place to uh, punish evildoers and to uh, be God's ministers in society uh, for the good of society. And, and so uh, there are some of you who are going to have to forgive and call the police in the same breath, and that is a very difficult thing to do. But just because you forgive doesn't mean you neglect justice and neglect the law of the land that God has placed for us as common grace. And lastly, forgiveness is not reconciliation. And this is difficult. But as you go through the New Testament, um, there are two separate topics. There is forgiveness, and then there is a full restoration of that relationship that we call reconciliation. Now, praise the Lord, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection on the cross has reconciled us to him in full relationship, and we're all thankful for that. Uh, But sometimes God calls you to forgiveness um, in such a way that will lead up to eventual reconciliation when we all get to heaven, but sometimes that reconciliation is hard 
fought and hard won. And um, there are some situations that are so painful, especially when we're talking about marriage, talking about deep and dwelling sin, talking about attitudes of anger and uh, a loss of control, abuse of substances, where, where forgiveness certainly needs to be had. But whether or not that reconciliation needs to be fully and immediately restored, that's a question for your elders. And were you in that situation, like I know in a crowd this size some of you are, I would just beg you, do not try to figure this out on your own. God has placed over you shepherds, overseers of your souls who are there for just this season because things get difficult and ugly uh, out there, and they can help you navigate how to forgive and when to reconcile uh, with great wisdom, praying to the Lord the entire time. And, and I beg you, do not leave the room tonight trying to figure it out on your own. It's too dangerous, and you're too in it to figure it out by yourself. But praise God for the people of God and the leaders that God has placed over you, amen? And that's a gracious thing for the Lord to provide. So forgiveness is not all of these things. What forgiveness is this, simply, if you're taking notes, forgiveness is to choose to set the debtor free from their debts. To separate them from the IOU. To save, uh, to save them from the debt. To every time when you look at that person, you're not thinking about all the things that they owe to justice, that they owe to restoration, because that person is a brother or sister in Jesus Christ, and uh, they've been forgiven by him, and they should be forgiven by you. And so if we're going to forgive as we've been forgiven, well, we've been forgiven entirely, and we've been forgiven continuously, and so that means that you and I have to forgive entirely, and that you and I have to forgive continuously as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's uh, perhaps the most difficult thing you will ever do in life. When you forgive entirely, the offending party doesn't have to hurt. They don't have to grovel. And they don't have to pay for it as you tell everybody about all the things that, you, that they've done to you in the, under the precursor of getting advice, right? Why? Just so that others know how evil of a person you are. They've been set free from that debt, and you don't have to go there anymore because Jesus Christ certainly paid enough so that you don't have to go around and tell everybody and inform everyone about how an awful person they are. He's paid for that. He's been taken care of by the cross. Now think of the statement that you're making when you're not forgiving another brother or sister in Jesus. And this should just blow you away. This should be abhorrent in your heart. Because what you are saying when you will un, are unwilling to forgive a brother, to forgive a sister, to forgive a spouse who is in the Lord, when you're unwilling to forgive them and when they need to pay for it with the cold shoulder and when they need to pay for it by you letting everybody know and when they need to pay for it for the thousandth time, what you are saying is that Jesus Christ's death on the cross is not enough and that you are more holy and you require more and that they need to pay to you even though they've been forgiven entirely by God. Just let that sit with you. That person that you haven't talked to in 15 years, 
What you're saying is that you're more holy than God. That person that you're unwilling to restore with, that you can't go to shepherding group with because they did that thing. Uh, maybe you left another church because uh, the leadership there was da-da-da-da-da or someone there sinned against you in some particular way and you, you just can't let it go. You just can't give it up. What you are saying is that that cross was not enough and that should horrify your soul because you are not more holy than God. You do not require more to be paid back to you than God required to be paid back for him. And if the cross is enough to get him forgiven before the Lord God, almighty creator of the universe, then it should be enough to forgive you because certainly their sin against you was minor in comparison of the infraction against God himself. He is more offended than you were at that sin, and if that is enough to get him saved entirely, then it should be enough for you and I. The pride of withholding forgiveness should scare us. So wives, as you um, make your husband pay for it by not talking to him, by not engaging him in love, for three, four days after he did that thing for the thousandth time. Um, that's what you're doing. Does that, does that put new eyes on it, I hope, for you? We're called to forgive entirely, but perhaps the most difficult part about forgiveness is forgiving continuously. Because I don't know about you, the situation I went through in the body of Jesus Christ, I, I feel like I was sinned against in a substantial way, and uh, it's always a loss of trust, right? There's, oh, yeah, I can't trust you anymore. Those are the words that are used. Um, and uh, to forgive continuously is difficult, because I spoke to them, and they asked for forgiveness in a Perhaps it's, it's never good enough, the way they ask for forgiveness. But they asked, and I extended it. But it's hard to keep on extending it, isn't it? Because all it takes is, um, for some of you, it takes a smell, or, or to be in the same room, or, or to just hear just the distant murmurings of a situation that you, similar to the one that you experienced where you were sinned against, and that just regurgitates the whole thing. It's like pulling off a scab 10,000 times, right? How many, uh, how many of us have experienced just that over and over again? Well, the Lord calls us to forgive entirely as we've been forgiven entirely and to forgive continuously as we've been forgiven continuously. Help me do some math. Jesus does math in the Bible. He says you need to forgive as many times as 70 times 7, which is what? Engineers? Mathematicians? What? 490? You need to help me out here. I'm a pastor. I don't do this. 490? 490. Okay. Now, now, the point of that mathematical equation from the lips of Jesus is not that you sit there and you get to tally out 387, 388, 389, right? The point of such a large, ridiculous math equation uh, would be, hey, stop counting. 
Stop counting. Um, why, why would anyone want to count to 490? What, what do you have? Marks on a wall? Are you tallying it in an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet? Why would you want to do You know how much work that is? You know how much anger and bitterness that is to keep stored up? Your soul was not meant to count to 490 infractions. It just can't handle that. There's no way that you can have joy at 350, 351, 352. There's no way that you can be still looking to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ at 420, 421, 422. The whole point of that is stop counting. The concept of counting is revolting when compared to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that you and I rejoice to believe in and that we've been freed and forgiven by his blood. How can we be ones who count when all that could be counted against us has been wiped away by the blood of Jesus? So it's the continuous that's perhaps the most difficult. And there's a thousand ways that we have to work through forgiveness. What about if they don't ask for forgiveness? What if they never change? How long do I have to, right? And there's a, a thousand complicated situations that come up with this idea of having to forgive over and over and over again. And, and those are questions for your shepherding group, to be frank. But I will say this. Without continuous forgiveness, there is no enduring relationships. And you and I will die lonely and afraid of people if you do not get good at this and get good at this soon. Your soul and my soul was not meant to bear the counting process. But what does bring joy and further looking to the cross and trusting in Jesus Christ is when we set them free entirely and continuously from the debt that they incurred by sinning against us. And how great is it that every time someone sins against us, that is another exercise in believing the gospel. Right? And that's what I want you to look at it as. When your spouse sins against you as you are on your way home tonight, because we both know it's not going to take that long. A little too close to home to be funny. Uh, as they sin against you, what you need to remember is that this sin against you has been sovereignly planned by the Lord and used for your good so that you have another exercise in remembering and believing the gospel that you and I cherish or claim to cherish. Oh, look, someone's sinning, a believer is sinning in such a way that is forgiven by the cross of Jesus Christ, and as I forgive this person, whether they ask for it or not, it is trusting that that is enough for me and for them, not only for them to be forgiven, but for that to give me the grace to give them grace and to love them despite that they're still in progress like you and I. And it's essential and important that you and I remember that our lists are the same length. And there is no difference. There is no difference. I would never do that to you is not true were it not for the grace of God. Forgiveness becomes 
doable when you look to the cross. Entirely and continuously. And and here's the most important thing about forgiveness. Jesus talks about forgiveness in, in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as we forgive others, right? You guys know this? Now think about the way that's stated. That, that should be scary to you, right? For our passage to say, for let us, for you, we should forgive as we've been forgiven, that, that should be scary to you. Why? Because throughout the scriptures, New Testament talks about how those who do not give forgiveness are clearly not forgiven, Because if you can believe in the gospel enough to be saved, to know the Lord Jesus in such a way that that you are recognized your sin and you recognize your need for a savior and the substitute on your behalf to forgive you entirely and continuously, then for you to not extend that like the unforgiving servant, right? There's parables about this stuff. Clearly indicates that you don't know the gospel like you think you do. And that should scare us all with a, 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 a sincere godly fear. And that you and I need to re-engage with people that we've separated ourselves with for 20 or 30 years. Why? For no other reason than the comfort of our own soul to really know that we know the gospel of the Lord Jesus and that you and I are truly walking with the Lord and being changed by his blood because we see it as we forgive as we are forgiven. And so would you just take this time um, it's something I've learned in church planting is just uh, close those Bibles, not that our time in the Word is done. It continues on. But um, who have you not extended forgiveness to? Some of you are going to have to reach way back some of you are going to have to think about yesterday. Who, who are you unwilling as a brother in Christ to trust the cross that it was enough to change and to grow and to forgive them? And you need to set that right. I would hope that if you see a pattern of unforgiveness, you're the balloon. You blow up, you hide, you're sensitive to the smallest thing, that you would take some earnest time and examination before the Lord to see whether you've really experienced forgiveness at all. Because evidently, you don't know that grace extends to the worst of sinners. And you haven't felt that weight yourself. But tonight could be that night that freedom is freely given because it was dearly paid for by Jesus. And and you could have that freedom from that debt tonight and you could have be set free to forgive others and let go of the acid and the bitterness and the anger in your soul and begin to live in freedom and joy 
because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. This could be your day. And I pray that, that if you see that pattern in your life, you would put some significant thought and evaluation and ask people around you whether you truly see the gospel working out in your life like that. But for the rest of us, it's time to re-engage in our marriage. It's time after this to have discussions about this with our spouse. This is what I have a hard time forgiving you for, but I need to forgive, this, forgive you of it tonight, and I will stop bringing it up as though you were still in debt. You need to go to people, maybe in this room after service. Hey, you sinned against me, and I was hurt. But Christ paid for that, so I am choosing to forgive you. And I love you as a brother in Jesus because God loves you too. And you need to make that right. Were you not to do that in response to this sermon, in response to this text? I'd be wary for your soul. If you don't have names in your head right now, you're a more holy man than I. Because as I was working and walking through this text, it's just, you have to forgive entirely and continuously. Entirely and continuously. And this is what the Lord will use to show us the power of that all throughout the rest of our lives. Can I pray for you? Father God, uh, forgiveness is hard because sin is painful. And uh, my brothers and sisters here have experienced the worst of human sin. Here in this room are, are, are women who have been abused by their spouse. Uh, men who've been stabbed in the back by their friends. And that sin that was done against us has forever changed us, but it's also brought us to you. And so, Lord, if you would just at this moment in a supernatural way give us the strength to forgive as we've been forgiven, that we might enter into the joy of what it means to be the people of God, depending upon the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, and all looking to him for strength and for forgiveness, that we might engage with one another, even though it's going to mean that we're going to be sinned against, that we wouldn't hide from one another out of fear and of, out of unability, the inability to forgive, but we would lean in to our brothers and sisters at this church, to our brothers and sisters in our shepherding group, to uh, the leadership here at the church, knowing that full well that they're still fallen, that they're still uh, in a work in progress, and that when we lean in, it's going to get dirty, it's going to get ugly. But Christ is enough. He's enough for all of us. And may you use this powerful truth to restore relationships and to restore marriage. And may people here have the boldness to go to 
the leaders, their shepherding leaders and their elders to help navigate the very dangerous and, and difficult waters of forgiveness and reconciliation. And may there be great stories of you at work. May lives be changed. May believers be uh, more like Jesus. May unbelievers be amazed by the forgiveness that flows in the body of Christ and the joy of relationship and restoration that happens here. May they find it nowhere else. And may they all come to know the Lord Jesus because of life here in the body and the one another's. And more importantly, Lord, may you restore our joy, the joy of our salvation as we use every opportunity as we're sinned against to look again to the cross of Jesus, to believe in him, to remind us of our salvation, and to walk like him in unity with your brothers and sisters. Father God, we pray all this as your people and all God's people said. Hey, look, um, if, if you've got some dif difficult and dangerous situations, again, don't, don't leave here with that alone. And I know Jordan, the heart of this shepherd. I know uh, Pastor Tim, who has helped me uh, with my people at my church navigate through some of those difficult situations. They're here for you, okay? Don't go that alone. We want to pray for you. If some of you have something that's been lingering for 10, 20 years, uh, this is your time. Get prayer for that. Get help for that. And we'll all see God be glorified as we, as his people, uh, live in such a way as is fitting for the people of God. Okay? It was a joy to be with you tonight. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renew Podcast. And we are especially grateful to Pastor Brent Hisayasu for spending the first week of this Renew series with us. Head on over to gracebrethren.com to keep up with Pastor Jordan's preaching and to keep up with the next three Renew Summer Nights this month.